You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Well, we are so glad that you have tuned in with us in our midweek Bible study. Uh, I am joined by Jay Vallejo here, who pastors and oversees our children's ministry, excuse me, our young adults ministry. Uh, And to my right here is... Mr. Francel Esquivel, and he pastors as well here, and he oversees our children's ministry along with many other ministries that we have. So guys, thank you again. Uh, in our midweek forum, we have for a number of, of years, we've had that first week where we just would uh, call it our 242. Mm-hmm. We would hunker down around the word, around tables, and we would encourage you to do the same in your own home tonight. Uh, We are going to be going through Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, and we are going to be discussing what was taught on Sunday as I took uh, the church through Mark, chapter 16, and I put a title on that message, and it, it, it followed the previous Sunday's message where I entitled that, which was Resurrection Sunday, God's Invitation to Believe, and then... Last Sunday, we talked about, well, we need to proclaim what we believe. And with that in mind, we, we follow the 40 days of Jesus after his resurrection, before his ascension, and we see him showing himself to many individuals. Um, the classic that summarizes what, what Jesus did in those particular days is in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, where Luke writing there says, Jesus presented himself alive by many infallible proofs. Underline that, infallible proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, and then this is important, and speaking of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And underline that as well, because that's where we're going to be going uh, this coming Sunday, talking about what Jesus had to say relating to the kingdom of God. What is that? And um, what is our part in all of that? But the other classic scripture that we shared there was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 5 through 8, where Paul talking, he says, Jesus, after the resurrection, was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve. After this, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained in the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by the apostles, then Paul, and then as by one born out of due time, speaking of, of course, himself. And so we talked about the importance of Jesus' resurrection, the significance of that, and what what that means to us as believers. We we talked about the gospel, and the message of the gospel, and it involves three parts, and we'll get to that. But... I address this as well to to non-believers. I wanted non-believers to know, why is it that these Christians are always inviting me to church nowadays? Why is it that these Christians are always sending me a link saying, hey, catch this Bible study or, hey, upload our church app? Why are they always wanting to talk to me about Jesus? And so we're going to start right there and... I, I think sometimes when we live in the Christian world as we do, guys, we're pastors on staff at a church, we have Christian families, a lot of people around us, sometimes we, we can become a little bit detached from the non-believing world mm-hmm. and some of the curiosity and some of the questions they might have. And I think this is a good one. Mm-hmm. So, Jay, why don't, why don't you speak to that first and get this conversation going? <clears throat> You know, I know when I uh, came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, you know, one of the things, it, it just maybe you put it into perspective this way, that when you go to a good restaurant and you just have, like, this awesome steak and you come back and you're excited, you're full, <laughs> but you're excited, and what do you do? You want to tell people about this great restaurant because you, it was so satisfying to you. You had such a great experience there that, that you want to share it with others. And when 
we look at our relationship to Jesus Christ. As I mentioned, when I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, um, now back in 92, so what is that, 28 years ago? Um, when I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I was so excited, just like any experience that we have. And you, God does so much in your heart and so much in your life that you want to share those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I look in... You know, the Bible is full of examples, but one example that in particular is a person by the name of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. And Mm. in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 20, what happens is he is being persecuted. He is going through um, just a tremendous amount from people. And it says that he decides that he's not going to speak anymore in the name of of Jesus or in the name of God and the name of the Lord at that time. He's not going to speak anymore, but it says, but the word of God was so shut up in his bones that he was weary of holding it back. And his experience with God was so real that he couldn't but speak the mm-hmm. things of God. And I think anybody that, that becomes a Christian, and if you've been listening to the studies, and maybe, again, you're new and you don't understand what Christianity is about, uh, we use a phrase because the Bible uses that phrase, and that's born again. When we become born again, that means we ask Jesus Christ into our, into our life. The Holy Spirit comes into our heart and begins to reside in us. And when he resides in us, we become born again. And when we become born again, there's an excitement, there's a newness, there's, there's this freshness that we can't but tell people mm-hmm. about the changes that, that God has done in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's a transformation that oftentimes we hear people talk about as just Everything's new. And part of what is new is what God does with our old. Mm-hmm. He, what, what he does when, when sin that we've committed and sin which we've borne and the effects of sin, when we've carried that, we don't realize that, the weight of that and the guilt of that until we've had someone remove that from us. Mm-hmm. And that's when we begin to go, what in the world have I been missing out on here? And we'll talk more about what the gospel is and how to accept Jesus through this whole uh, conversation tonight. But um, the reason I wanted to start there is because the gospel, which we're talking about, the good news, involves the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 15 that really to summarize the gospel, the good news, it's that Jesus did die on the cross, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. And again, we'll get to that. But just to start the conversation for any of you that are listening to this and you're not a Christian, we want to just identify with you and let you know we are aware that some of these terms and ideas in God's Word might be new to you. And we're here to break open God's Word, to walk through this, and to help you understand um, why it is that a Christian would want to reach out to you and be so burden for you to know Jesus as they know him. And part of that is not just what, what the message is within us. It's what our Savior expects from us. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, we went in, in, and studied on Sunday morning. And it's in, if you have your Bibles out, it's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 15. And there it says, Jesus speaking... So he's raised from the dead. They have now seen him for 40 days um, through many infallible proofs. And he's shown himself, as Paul would say, to all the disciples. Uh, Of course, Judas is not around anymore. He's taken his life. But the other 11, he's shown himself to them. And, And Paul would even say there were large groups, up to even 500 at once. But he would have these intimate talks with the disciples. In John 20, he would even find the disciples fishing and uh, go and meet them there and, and, and call them in and have a breakfast ready for them. I love that about Jesus. He loved to eat. We love to eat. Um, but he would, he would have a breakfast for them. And he pulled Peter off to the side. And he had that, that conversation with him. And it was about what he expected from Peter moving forward. And three times he would ask Peter, do you love me? And that was a good question really for, I think, Jesus to ask him because indeed Peter had denied him three times just a, you know, few weeks prior. 
So as Peter would say, yes, you know that I love you, he would say, well, then I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to, to, to tend my sheep. There were these, these commands that Jesus gave to Peter, and it was an expectation that he would respond, and it was a focus. He was taking Peter's life, and he was focusing him on others on his own behalf. And so that, that was one of those, those passages of scriptures we read. And then we come to another setting with the disciples right before Jesus will ascend into heaven. And he says to them in verse 15 here in our text, go into all the world and preach the gospel and do that to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned and these things will follow those who believe in my name. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Hmm. Now, we have this account in Matthew as well, and Luke, the Great Commission. And we're familiar with this. And we've, we've taught this many different ways and in many different settings. And oftentimes, it's probably the go-to passage whenever we're having sessions or teachings when it comes to missions. Mm. But this is not for missionaries. It's not for world missions outside of, you know, our country, as oftentimes we, mm. we, we look at this passage. This is a passage... This is an instruction. This is a command that Jesus gives to every Christian mm. that, that they, would, they would share something with everybody that they come in contact with. Mm -hmm. So, Francel, what, what stands out in relation to that? Well, um, the gospel, the good news. Um, we're all waiting for good news right now. Every, the whole world is watching news, waiting for when. When is the economy going to open back up? When do I get to go back to work? When do, do we have a vaccination? If I were to get that news, who do I spread it to? Mm. Everyone I know. Mm. Not only across the world, like, but my neighbors. <laughs> I'd probably start with my family. I'd start with my family. I would. I'd start with my family. I'd start with my coworker. I would call my employer. Hey, have you heard? You know, all, I, I, would, I would spread the good news. I would um, want everyone to know. And I think that's what he's talking about. And he's, he's not limiting it to our family. But as we know, as we talk about in Matthew, he talks about, you know, Judea, Samaria, and the utmost part. So we start at home. Then we go to our neighbors, and we go, and that's that's what we're naturally going to do with good news, and we're not going to hold it in. We want to know, <laughs> we want other people to know the good news. We want to, um, and when we find someone that knows the good news, we're going to rejoice with them. So, Jesus looks at a world that has been separated from Him, mm. and from eternity with him because of sin yes and he as the second person of the godhead god whose spirit takes on flesh so that he would die on a cross to forgive mankind of of their sins mm -hmm. and salvation would be provided through that that is god's plan of redemption that was written down before the foundations of the earth were ever created so now these these, these disciples have followed him. They've walked with him for three and a half years. They've heard him claim on many occasions that he is God, that he is the promised Messiah, that all of the Old Testament scriptures point to. He had clearly predicted in the Gospels on seven separate occasions, and probably more than what we have recorded, how he would die, at whose hands he would die. And then he would always say, but three days later, I will rise from the dead. Mm -hmm. So, here is someone claiming to be God. Here is someone claiming to, to for, be able to forgive a person's sin and bring them into right standing with God, to remove what separates them from God, 
thus allowing them atonement or at one mint with God. Mm-hmm. He's making these claims. Mm-hmm. He's claiming that, that one day when, when, we, when we die, we will go to heaven. As he would even said to the disciples in, in John's gospel, he's like, listen, I know you guys are troubled, but, but, but don't be troubled when I'm talking about leaving you. Because in my father's house are many mansions. Mm-hmm. If we're not so... I would have told you, but I, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you know, you may be also. And Thomas is like, hey, I'm not quite understanding this. And, and, and he's like, guys, understand. And we need to understand this. He says, these are radical claims, are they not? I am the way, Jesus said there. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no man will ever come to the Father but by me. So these are very radical claims. I am God. I am the Savior. I can forgive sins. I give you the passageway, the right way, uh, the right of way into eternity. I'm going ahead of you to prepare that for you. Now, he is going to ascend into heaven. (laughs) As soon as he gives this commission, he's going to ascend into heaven. And what he's done here is he's commissioned them now with that very message. Now, you go tell others about me, who I am, why I came, how I died, how I was buried, and how I rose again. Because that's where salvation is found. It's found by putting faith or believing in Jesus. Believing that he is who he said he is. Believing that he did exactly what he said he would do and did according to the gospel. And thus, as God, as the Savior of the world, he can deliver the goods. Now, what validates that? The resurrection. The resurrection. Yes. That's why it's so important that he says this after he's raised from the dead. Yes. And we know that the disciples were very different men after the resurrection than before the resurrection. Mm-hmm. They were deserters and they were deniers. But when they saw him raised from the dead, oh man, they were more than believers, church. Mm-hmm. They were proclaimers. Mm-hmm. They were proclaimers. And even the passage that you were um, teaching on on Sunday out of Mark, you know, right before that, even with those infallible proofs, understand that the apostles still had doubts. And it says a number of times in Mark 16 that they saw him, but they still didn't believe. They heard testimony about him, but they still didn't believe. And, and so they still struggled with it. And so understand, you know, for you that are out there, that it, we can all struggle with it. It's not that this transformation came. For sure they were different after the resurrection than they were before. But one of the things that, that made them different is you look over at uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, uh, because you have a, another rendition of, of that great commission. And it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, again, the, the great commission, things that you were talking about, it's a command, it's a, but it's an empowerment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. God is going to empower you through the Holy Spirit to be able to, to testify of this good news. And we see that played out in Acts, and that's really what you see as you, as you start to go through Acts, you see in chapter 2 uh, where, where all of a sudden Peter is standing up before a huge crowd and, and all of a sudden tying in these Old Testament scriptures to what God was doing right then and starting to put all the pieces together. And this boldness is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that comes over Peter through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that same Holy Spirit, that same boldness is offered to you and me. And so mm-hmm. I don't. I never go out alone. I'm called to. to uh, I'm commanded to go witness. I'm. I'm commissioned out to give this good news, but I don't go in my own power, uh, because not by might nor by power, but by my Holy Spirit, saith the Lord. And so. Yeah. yeah, and in Matthew's account of this, towards the end of the Great Commission, Jesus is like, and, and lo, I use that word like no, and no, <laughs> <laughs> I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So, this. Commission wasn't just for the disciples, by the way. The, the fact that he would, he would say he had all the world, go out into all the world. He, 
the idea suggests that getting the word out would involve every follower of Christ. Again, in Matthew's account, it, it says that this would be carried out even to the end of the age. We're not there yet. So this would go from generation to generation to generation. The command is given to his followers. The believers are to become proclaimers. Yeah, and it, you proclaim, and then as you're talking about in Matthew's account, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so, and how are you going to do that? You're going to teach them uh, to observe, the, baptizing them, teaching them. And so all these different aspects are to be, as you said, passed on to generations all the way to the end of the age. And so all these things are meant, weren't meant just for the apostles back then, but they're meant for us today. Hmm. Yeah, you know, in uh, Luke chapter 1, it talks about um, why the Messiah came. And he came that he could free us from the enemy to serve him freely. So he, he, he does want to commission us. And I really, I really appreciate that Easter Sunday we gave that, that message to non-believers. Come. But then we gave direction. You know, I recently watched... Uh, a Billy Graham crusade that, that, that was originally from 1972. And in the altar call, he commissioned them. And I love that. He said, now go and do this. Like, it's not just coming, just coming to the kingdom. No, you got a job. That's what we talk about, our Lord and Savior. And, and he does. He, this is not only, not only it should be in my heart, like Jeremiah, like it should spill out. It's what I've been saved to do. To proclaim good news, I'm not, I shouldn't be hiding it. I should want people to come out of that darkness into marvelous light mm -hmm. with me. Yeah. Romans 10, 14 through 17 says, How shall they, speaking of the non-believers, be saved? How shall they call upon Jesus in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher or a proclaimer? And how shall they preach or proclaim unless they are sent? Eh, it's written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Well, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, oftentimes I think, I know for myself growing up in church, it was really easy to leave the advancing of the gospel to the guys on the platform. Mm -hmm. You come, you're like, wow, I really learned something today. I bring my friends to hear him. I bring my friends to youth group to hear Jay. I bring my kids to hear you, <laughs> to hear the, 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 all the children the ministry teachers that we still have teaching through online platforms. But... That's so easy for us as Christians to take a command that God has given us that will, that will require some faith, that will require us being bold, that will require us spending some time with the, the Lord in order to have him fill us with his spirit, to spend some time as well in the word to where we have an answer for the faith that lies within us. How how easy it is to marginalize that, minimize that, and just leave sharing the gospel to others. But the command is given to all of us, to every, every one of us um, who are believers. And I read that statistic a few years ago on, again, out of Billy Graham and their association, learned so much about Christians as they surveyed mm. cities and whatnot, after crusades, but they were, they were really shocked to realize, as I was being told this by one of their associates, that most Christians, up to 95%, had never shared the gospel. Mm. And when we think about this, guys, let's talk about that. Now we'll talk to the, the believers there, because there's been a, a bit of a pivot with that, and I want to address that in just a minute as well. But prior to coronavirus and what we've seen God doing in reviving the church to get the word out. What, what did you guys see with most Christians 
struggling to share their faith, struggling to bring people to church, struggling to talk to coworkers in the workplace. What, what do you think was behind a lot of that? Peer pressure. You know, um, <clears throat> being made fun of, um, being rejected. You know, I know in the workplace, Christians seem to look for other Christians. Mm. And they, they, they want to fellowship. I'm, I'm looking to fellowship. But, um, I'm not saying that's bad, but in the workplace, uh, I'm, you know, they, they, I should be trying to be a witness. Mm. I should try to be looking, you know. One of the things I honestly really miss is, is yeah, is the non-believers being around and it challenges me to be around non-believers all the time to, hey, you know, as, you know, we're working together, I could, I could in my heart say, no, Jay needs to be the Christian today, <laughs> you know, but I, around non-believers, I'm the Christian every day, and um, we're supposed to want them, you know, and it is, be prior, you know, COVID-19, it, it was, you don't have eternity in your mind, I think. I think a lot of people have eternity in their mind right now, mm-hmm. as um, as we 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 talk about at funerals that you know that um, it's better to be in a house of mourning because we're we're eternally minded, and I think more people are eternally minded right now, mm-hmm. but they they've lost that anticipation as we've lost that anticipation before this that he's coming soon and we got to get people saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned <clears throat> some of those things of peer pressure. People get intimidated because of you know, fear of rejection and all those things. And I think one of the things is that, that people struggle with as well is inadequacy. Because you never really feel like you're at that level to be able to share with somebody. Mm. You, you worry about the things that you don't know. But understand this, and it doesn't matter if you've only been a believer for just a short time or if you've been a believer for a while. God only ex- expects you to be able to communicate that which you know. And that's the only thing that you're responsible for. So if you're a newer believer, the fact that you know that you're saved, the fact that you know if you died today that you'd be in heaven is way more than that non-believer, co-worker, whoever it is that you're, they're facing that you're, that you're intimidated by. That's way more than they'll ever know if they don't come to know Jesus Christ as their mm. personal Lord and Savior. So the hope that you have in you is way greater than what they have. And... If you just know that, you know what Jesus Christ has done for you, that's what you're able to communicate, and that's what you're responsible for. Um, and sometimes we don't know the answers. I, even us as pastors, we get asked a lot of questions and, and don't always know the answers, but we can go and look it up. I mean, we, have, we can go and ask questions. We can go and research those things. Mm-hmm. And so I don't always have to have all those answers. Sometimes people will come up with things that, that I, I either just don't know. Maybe you haven't been the Lord long enough and you haven't really heard about this or that. But don't let that trip you up. The fact is, is that if you know that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, again, you've accepted him, you've become born again, and if you were to die today, you'd be in heaven. That's way more than, than they know. I think it comes down to, I think we're all good at telling the story of our life. Mm. If you ask me what I did this morning, I'm, I'm pretty much going to be able to go, well, here, here's what happened. Um, the significant things that have happened in my life. I can still recount the day I asked Lori to marry me. Like, my life radically changed. The day, the day I married her, I can recount each one of the girls when they were born and, and their mm. weddings now. And uh, I, I, I think that sometimes as Christians, we forget that this is, this is something that it's who we are now. Yeah. And I think all of us are pretty good at sharing who we are. Fact is, I think some people are really good at telling the story about their life on social media these days. Mm-hmm. I look at some of these posts, and I'm not a big social media guy. I'm like, wow, I've learned so much about this person in this one post. Well, I think that Christians, I believe, and I know that Christians know what happened. Mm-hmm. And they can articulate that. I think what's important is, is to really think through what was it that brought you into saving faith? What was it that was shared with you? What was it that God used to get your attention? What was it that God used to remove the veil from your eyes? 
And typically it was somebody explaining to you what a sinner is, what the gospel is, mm-hmm. and how Jesus saves. And it's as, it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I remember um, as a <coughs> new believer, Lance, just like you're explaining it, um, I came to know the Lord because of my marriage. But when I did, it was only week, days into this, my wife and I were calling our friends, our young friends that were struggling in their marriage, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were inviting them to church. We were sharing with what God did in our lives, and we didn't know much, mm-hmm. but we simply knew that God changed our lives. Mm-hmm. We were calling our family members. We were we, just, again, like you said, I, I don't know all those answers, mm-hmm. but I do know this. Why don't you come with us? And that's, like you said, that's the gospel. I don't have to worry about knowing everything as a new believer. I just need to know what God's done in my heart. You, you become a living gospel or what we say, a term that we use in Christianity is, is your witness. And really, your witness is what God has done for you. Uh, you were reading a passage this morning, uh, Lance, in John chapter 9, if you have the opportunity, go through John chapter 9 and read that story of a, of a blind man who uh, is there and God heals him. He tells him, puts, uh, puts clay with the spit. and Spits in the dirt, puts it in his eyes. <laughs> and shoves it in his eye and says, go and wash. <clears throat> and so this, go, this guy goes and washes. And, uh, but he begins to get challenged by these religious leaders. And they start asking him all kinds of questions uh, because they don't want to believe that uh, Jesus has healed him and that they don't want to believe what's taken place and they don't want to attribute to Jesus. And so they're looking for other reasons and other rationale. They even call his parents in and say, hey, is this your son? They're like, yeah. Well, is, was he blind since birth? Yeah. Well, how does he see? I don't know. Ask him because they were afraid too. And so they were all afraid because they didn't want to get kicked out of uh, the temple area and so forth. And so they call him in again, and in verse 25, he gives us, he gives us answer. He says, whether he's a sinner, whether Jesus is a sinner, because they were saying that, well, he's a sinner. How could he have done these things? He says, look, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. He says, the one thing, one thing, one thing I know, <clears throat> that though I was blind, now I see. Mm-hmm. And that's everybody's testimony mm-hmm. that comes to Jesus Christ is that the one thing that you do know and the one thing that you can attest to is the fact that you were once blind in sin and now you see you've been healed, you've been saved from that. And that is your testimony just like this blind person. And that's what people can deny the, the word of God and they can deny all these things about Christianity, but the one thing that they're going to have a hard time denying is that if they knew you before, if they knew me before I was a... I was a Christian, and they saw my life and the pattern of life that I had, and then they saw me after, there's a difference. And for sure, that was, that was the difference in me personally. I know many other people that there's a, a transformation. You're saying that even happened with the apostles. The transformation, and they can deny everything else, but they can't deny the fact that you can now see. And and you're only responsible at least for that one thing. Now, as you grow in the Lord and you grow closer to God, then, then God can use you in other ways. But for him, he becomes this great, gives us great testimony off of that one thing. Mm-hmm. Good. That's a, a, great, a great, I think, reminder of, it, it is simple, is it not? Mm. The, 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 the word of God that we've received has changed us was simply put to us in terms we could understand, believe, and receive. And the other thing is, a lot of times, it's, I know I, I usually end up sharing my testimony with people um, through a, just a basic conversation. It's not like I'm walking up to everybody and giving them the, you know, you probably need to be turning to Jesus or you're going to be burning in hell. You know, it's not that approach, man. It's, if, you, if you are living the Christian life around a whole bunch of people who are not, these days, people are going to ask, what's different about that person? Mm-hmm. If we're forgiving, if we're kind, we're loving, the fruit of the Spirit, if, if it could be as simple as just asking people questions. Today, it's as simple as asking people, how, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And pff, get ready. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
there's going to be an opportunity and then we can be able to share the hope of Jesus. Before we break down the gospel a little bit more, um, you know, it has been just nothing short of miraculous around here from what we would see as the opportunities God's given us all these years, beginning on a, a surf shop floor and seeing God changing lives, one surfer, one skater at a time, to what we've become as, as a, an established church in the city of La Habra and planted other churches and whatnot. Um, it has been amazing to see all of those opportunities, every Easter, every Christmas, every Sunday, uh, to see people accept the Lord. Absolutely. I mean, we, we have a unique way of, of giving invitations here. I always say it's usually never the same way, you know. We used to call them all forward at Crystal Lewis's song, Come Just As You Are. <laughs> and then everybody pray this prayer and follow the guy out to the side over here. And we realized there has to be more of a personal touch with all of that. And so we've been having couples stand up front after church for years and just inviting people to pray. And I love it when you give me those reports, guys, of what's been happening at the altar. When I go down there with Lori and we have those people that are ready to accept the Lord and we are able to pray with them, uh, what, what, a, what a highlight all of that has been. And God's not done working that way. But as the church has not been able to gather, we have, we have been able to still seek the Lord just receive vision from the Lord and, and continue, as we use the three words, just loving on the church, mm-hmm. equipping the church, and connecting the church through different ways. But what has really just blown our minds is the amount of people that are tuning in mm-hmm. to any of these services. Um, you know, we have a sanctuary that seats 750 people plus, whatever it is, and some overflow areas. But, and we're always excited when we're, we see a full place and, and we know that there's a strong likelihood that people are bringing their friends and they're hearing the gospel for the first time and people are going to get saved. When, I, when you guys first told me a few weeks ago that on Sunday mornings we had up to 500 people while we were meeting here and we're also listening online, that, that blew my, remember we were like, we got this like a whole other church service, just out there and started to greet them a little bit more. You know, hey, online audience. But that has, from March 15th forward, that has multiplied every, every day, not just every service. But every time we put something on this platform, whether it's the church app, such as a service like this, or the church website, or YouTube, or Vimeo, or what are the rest of them? I don't know, but Facebook, what I, we, we see this audience following us mm. every day, and it's a growing audience. And their response to us is growing. Mm. And, and part of what, what really caught my heart this week as I was prepping that message, or last week, was listening to some apologists talk about different parts of the world where Christianity is illegal, and through their technical abilities, they're able to, you know, look at what is it that our country's downloading? What is it that everybody is, like, searching for in some, a couple of countries at least? And they realize that the, the, the number one search was for the Bible. Mm-hmm. The, number, the number two search had to do with Christianity. And people were asking, what is this? And I heard that, and I thought... Ah, that's great. At the same time, we're hearing some of our friends, not just one or two, but almost everyone we talk to, say, man, keep sharing the gospel. Keep doing these services and these daily devos and stuff because we're now passing this link on or passing this Bible study on or inviting friends at work, my boss, non-believers all around us, family members that we never felt comfortable inviting before, we are now inviting them and they're tuning in. Mm. And these are, these are growing in multiple, like into the tens of thousands of people at times. And so church, we, we wanted to, or Christians, I should say, church globally now, we want you to, to, to really take that to heart as we have and think of the, the pivot 
that God has brought to the church. Not every church has made the pivot with him, but I believe we have. And there's an, a, a very effectual door that God has opened up mm. to us right now. And I, I, I really pray that you are one of those people. It's our hope. And we encourage you to be one of those people that are helping their loved ones and their friends find Jesus by tuning in to Bible studies such as this. It is, it is an unprecedented time. And we, A, we don't want to go through this time and not learn what God had for us. We don't want to go through this time and not have changed as God would desire change in us. And we don't want to go through this time and miss out on the opportunity he gave for us to share his message, the gospel message mm-hmm. with the world. Yeah, you think about, <clears throat> you may never have this opportunity with your neighbor, your coworker. They may never not be this open to hearing. Obviously, everybody's under some, some stress and, and just everybody's has some type of anxiety, fear uh, over what's happening in the world. And, and this, we believe that, that God's put us here for the time such as this and that we're able to capitalize on, on us have, being entrusted. You talked about uh, one of the scriptures talking about us being entrusted with this good news. And God gives you that good news, not for you just to take it and hold it, but to actually pass it on. And, and this is the time that they would be open. You know, I'm looking at that with you know, even my own kids and my own kids. There's certain opportunities, you know, as they're growing up in your, in your parenting. And, and sometimes situations will come up in our home where we have a unique opportunity to maybe uh, to talk to them about a certain subject. Maybe uh, there, there's certain things that we just don't want to miss out on. And we want to capitalize on that because we may not ever have that time again. Mm. You know, my oldest son entered into college uh, this year. I have two <laughs> more that are following, one in high school, one's in junior high, going to be coming to high school. You know, you guys are already past that point and, and you know that that time goes by quick. And you think about that with your own kids, that you want to treasure that time. You want to take advantage of that time when you have it. So in the same way, that too with the gospel, when it comes to your neighbors, when it comes to your coworkers, when it comes to your family, when it comes to anybody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, God's entrusted that to you. And that's why he, com- that's why he can command you, hey, go out and now preach it. Go out mm. and now teach it. Mm. Go out and now make baptize and make disciples and do all the things that I'm commanding you to do. Mm. Amen. Amen. You know, um, there's been plenty of times in my life that I didn't have that urgency, that I didn't respond to an open door. And I've always regretted that. Amen, yeah. You know, and I don't want to walk away from the season like that. You know, my wife and I don't want to walk away from that. We're, we are reaching out to our neighbors. I have family members that I haven't talked to in decades. And they're reaching out to me. And, and, and I'm thinking, I better, be, I better be faithful with this. I'm not just going to do small talk. You know, and I've been you know, sending them the daily devos that, that I've been doing because that's how they're connecting. Like, hey, listen to this. You know, and it's, I'm not going to have that regret you know and i think that we should think about that as 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 this this door is not going to be open forever when god opens up these doors and these hearts it doesn't stay open forever Mm -hmm. and we have sayings around here that two sayings that i think about don't let grass grow underneath your feet Mm -hmm. and strike the iron while it's hot and it's Mm -hmm. it's these things of urgency when there's something in front of us just do it Mm -hmm. do it yeah, amen. I think that um, one of the things there there seems to be, and we're really excited about this, a stirring in the church, mm-hmm. church believers. Really, across the board, we've been praying for revival, and that's just God reviving us mm-hmm. and quickening us to fall more in love with him, be more obedient to him. Uh, that's happening in the church. We, we sense that. Mm-hmm. To what degree? Time will tell. But the timing of this, it's global. And then at the same time, there's something happening in the world 
that's causing the hearts of people that don't know Jesus to sink. As much as we don't like that, as much as we don't like to hear the, the reports of this pandemic and loss of life and, and loss of jobs and economy, uh, you know, the economies of the world being rocked, we don't like to hear that. We don't even like the disruption of that. There is God working in the midst of that. And we need to, 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 to think about that. There's probably three things we need to be thinking about. One, Jesus has our, he's given us time to get our attention and he's getting the attention of his, his bride like never before. Mm-hmm. And why? <laughs> well, he wants to get the word out. Two, he's, he's shaken the, the world in a way where they are more attentive than any other time at our lifetime. The same time he's waking the church, the same time he's shaking the world. Number three, Jesus said this gospel will be shared until the end of the age, and then the end will come. And, you know, I'm not one of these guys that's ever used prophecy to, you know, to manipulate Christians to get more excited about the Lord or to get busy for the Lord. But there is that component in Bible prophecy that is to not only bring hope to us, the blessed hope, but also to motivate us. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the whole um, idea that, that he could return, mm-hmm. you know, at any moment. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye for his bride. And that some of the things that we're seeing right now, I, you know, I am in two weeks probably going to do something on Bible prophecy. So I don't want to get too far ahead of that. But to whet your appetite, there are... A number of things that prophetical events that are happening that indicate we could be getting like really close to the end. If you weren't paying, um, if you weren't attending here and, and maybe tracking with our online Bible studies at the beginning of the year, um, I did a series in, in January to kick off the year called Insight Insight, or End Times, excuse me, End Time insights. And you can see them all on the app and on our, on our website and whatnot. But in that, what I did is I just went through a chronology mm-hmm. of the end time events that have yet to take place that lead up to the end. Mm-hmm. We were in Second Peter and, and, and it just kind of spawned into a few weeks of, of developing that. But those are things to really think about right now. That our hearts are being quickened as Christians. Mm-hmm. The world's heart the non-believer's heart is sinking in despair and lack of hope. And they're starting to look around and look up. <laughs> and it's a, a prime time to share faith. And we could be looking at things happening right now that could quite possibly tell us we are getting really close to the end of the age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> when you look, and you'll get into all those things. But if you want to whet your appetite more, <laughs> you can... Uh, read through Matthew 24 and 25, and mm. uh, there's a number of passages that uh, will give you some, some signs of the time. And Jesus even, even uh, mentions about understanding, if you can look at the sky and you can see that and tell the weather, you should be able to look at the signs that are on the horizon and be able to Read know. your newspaper today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, a couple of things that, you know, for you that might be like, Oh, okay, where are you going with this? <laughs> but, you know, not the, the, the very end, the end, what we'll call the end, is a, is, a, is a creation of a new heaven and a new earth, which righteousness will dwell. Peter talks about that. But then leading up to that are all of these signs mm-hmm. that tell us we're getting towards the end. Mm-hmm. And we know that in the end, you know, we're going to start seeing... Um, Events such as the rapture of the church, Jesus taking mm-hmm. the church out of here. And then the question will be, what about my loved one? What about my neighbor? What about my friend that I didn't share with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I'm in heaven. Praise God. But they're not. Mm-hmm. Now's the time. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it talks about the world changing. And, and oftentimes we'll see like America changed with with, with certain events, the Oklahoma City bombing changed America. Mm-hmm. We might look at the, the terrorist attacks on 9-11, and that affected more of the world, but still in America. 
But this, there's something unique happening right now where the, the economies of the world are being shaken at the same time. Mm. The, the, the health of, of people around the world are being shaken at the same time. The, the healthcare systems around the world mm. are being shaken at the same time. Just monetary systems that interlock and interweave in such unique ways are being shaken at the same time. We haven't seen this before. Mm. And we know that as we you know, get into the book of Revelation and whatnot, we're, we're going to see what the Bible talks about in chapter 6 through 19. A one-world government is going to come into play. A one-world leader is going to come into play. A one-world religion, one-world military. Mm-hmm. And an interesting one is this one-world monetary system. Mm-hmm. And forever, everyone's just been, how are we going to do that? We got the, we got the euro, we got the yen, we got the dollar. And, and everybody's you know, just tripping out on that. And more than ever right now, people are starting to say, well, with these viruses, not just this one run of coronavirus, but in the future... Man, one of the ways we transmit this is through currency. Mm. Just touching paper. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're talking about all this new technology that we'll get into in a couple of weeks that is going to replace paper currency and, and become global. Mm-hmm. All of these things, these signs, as you say, we should know what the weather is going to say. We know that it's getting hot here now and it's going to get even hotter. We know that. We'll all check their weather app. We can read it and go, yep, it's getting hotter. We can... We have the ability to discern that. Well, what about the return of Jesus? (laughs) Mm. And and if that's so discernible, then I know as it began to get hot, I I started wearing different clothes. I I adjust based on what I believe. Mm -hmm. And what's true with the weather should be true when it comes to Bible prophecy. So we'll land the plane on that a little bit more in a couple of weeks and um, whet your appetite a little bit. But let's, let's bring this to, uh, uh, let's land the plane here today. and mm. Let's just talk about the gospel. There's those three components mm-hmm. that um, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4, Paul says, I delivered to you, first of all, that which was also received, which he received. And he goes on to define the gospel. There's three parts. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So according to the Old Testament, we should be able to find that. He was buried. According to the scriptures, the Old Testament, we should be able to find that. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. As it relates to the Messiah, we should be able to find that as well. And so, number one, I'll I'll break this one down, but Jesus Christ died for our sins. Jay, why is it important that we explain that to people? Because... In order for us to get saved, what do we, we need to understand what we're getting saved from. And so <clears throat> Christ didn't die just for any reason. But he died, as it says here, uh, died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that the Bible prophesied that the Messiah would come, that he would be um, stricken uh, for our transgressions. He would be smitten for our transgressions. And he would die for our sins. And, and that was the only way that that our sins could be uh, forgiven. That's the only way that we can be freed from our sins is if somebody was to come and take our place and that, that being the Messiah, that being Jesus Christ. And so the Bible spoke of that. And so Jesus came uh, as the Messiah. He came and he died as uh, you were teaching the other uh, a couple of weeks ago or last week about Jesus being that Lamb of God, that Lamb of God had, that John talks about in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he pointed to Jesus Christ as he was walking on the, on the shores of, of the Jordan. What would you say to that person, Jay, that we come across him a lot? I'm a good person. Hmm? You know? Hmm. I, I, I've even had people say, that's not me. I'm a good person. What would you, what would you, that person might be listening right now that's out there. What would you say to them? Well, because of, of sin, then it, just one sin, we've missed the mark. You know, when the Bible talks about sin, and you know, we, we talk about missing the mark. We use these phrases, and, and these are all kind of Christ, what we call Christianese. We have our kind of own language in a sense. 
but all it means is this, is that if I was to take an arrow, I'm shooting at a target, and I, and I don't hit that bullseye, I've missed the mark. And that's, what, that's what's being explained here, is that because of our sin, we've missed the mark. And in order for me to be a good person and earn my way to heaven, I would have to be perfect. And so that means I couldn't, and a lot of times people say, I never killed anyone, I've never, and they go to the extreme sins. Mm-hmm. But yet Jesus pointed out in Matthew chapter 5, well, in 5, 6, and 7, he's talking about the Sermon on the Mount. You know, if you've ever, if you ever, like, was real angry at with somebody, you've already committed murder in your heart. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you say, I've never gone out and committed adultery, but Jesus said, well, if you've lusted after somebody, you've already committed that in your heart. And so you've sinned. If you've told a lie, if you've coveted any of those things, then you are guilty and you deserve, just like all of us, we deserve hell. Now, imagine this, that, there's, that the price on, on getting out of of jail <laughs> you're you've been condemned to death and, but in order to pay that price it's such this hum, this this price that's that's made way more than you could pay you can't afford it so you don't have the ability to pay the price but there's somebody that can mm-hmm. somebody that can step into that courtroom and say hey here i have the ability to pay it on his behalf and i will take your debt but turns to you and says, but the only thing that you need to do is let me do it. You need to trust me that I'll pay it for you. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what Jesus did. The Bible says that he redeemed us from our sins. That means he, he paid the price for you and for I. Mm. Because I can't pay it myself. I can never be good enough because what's demanded of each and every one of us is perfection. So I can never be perfect in myself. So I need somebody that is perfect that can stand in that gap for me. Hmm. Well said. The second part of the gospel um, is that Jesus was buried. And I threw the question out there. I'll throw the resurrection part to you. (laughs) I'll let you wind her down with that. But it's a good question. Why should I tell people Jesus is buried? Well, number one, it validates who he is. Because in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9, it says about the Messiah that he would be buried with the rich. And we looked at the New Testament. Look at Jesus towards the end. He's, he's crucified, and then he's taken down from the cross by Pilate giving Joseph of Arimathea, a, a very wealthy man, and, and, and Nicodemus the permission to do that. Mm. And they take him, they wrap him, and they put him in Joseph's tomb. fulfilling. So it, it, it validates who he is as Messiah. Secondly, it, inval- it validates what he says. Because... Jesus was talking about his resurrection. And at one time he says, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the well, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so it's important that as we're, we're sharing the gospel, we're pointing it to Jesus, pointing them to Jesus, and letting him know, letting them know, look, what he says is, is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. This is who he is, the, the, the savior of the world. And, and what, he, what he claimed, he actually did. Yeah. So the third part is that he rose again the third day. Yeah, well, all three of them are connected. You know, the, the death and the burial. You can't have a resurrection without those two. You, even without the burial, you can't have a death and a resurrection. They're all connected. That's what it tells according to Scripture um, there's a lot of good people that have died and been buried. A lot of people have come in, in, into the world and changed the world and died and were buried. But none of them, other than Jesus, has rose from the dead. According to Scripture, according to prophecy, that is what validates the Word of God. That is what validates his deity, that he is God. Not even death could hold him. And that's what the gospel is, the good news that we have. Um, he, which I love, he said it in John when, he, when, he's, when he's talking to the Pharisees. God is a God of the living, and he's also a living God. <laughs> and so we have a living Savior. He is alive. 
He is not in that tomb. But without the death, without the burial, with any one of those disqualifies who he, who he is. You know, we, we, we can, they, could, they could have lied and said he died and then hit him for three days. That's the whole reason of all of them being connected. But no, he was buried after his death. And then he rose again from the dead. Very important. You know, I, I use this phrase a lot. Our faith is only as good as that in which it is placed. Yeah. So as we close this out, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. It's huge. We could put our faith in one who wasn't raised from the dead. A dead Savior can't do anything. But we put our faith in a risen Savior. And that's where salvation is provided. And Paul will go on to say, you know, with the mouth confession is made. It's like God needs to hear something from you. <laughs> but with the heart, one believes mm -hmm. unto salvation. So as we close this out, I'd like to maybe pray this time, guys, and close this um, part of our service out. And for any of you that are, you're not a Christian, and this is your time. The Bible always has a way of penetrating our hearts because it's living and it's powerful. It's the word of God that's able to save your souls. And James, it says, to receive with meekness the word of God, which is able to save your souls. So if you'd like that free gift of salvation, if you'd like to humble yourself before God right now, and maybe you've never done this. Maybe you're, I don't know, a backslidden Christian. That's a term. A prodigal. You, you've once known the Lord, but you've walked away from the Lord. And, and tonight, just having a round table with us, a little heart-to-heart -heart with us, Holy Spirit's touched your heart as well. And you would like to make it right with the Lord. I'm going to pray this prayer for, for you as well, but I'm going to direct this prayer for the people that have never invited Jesus into their life. Um, and then we'll, then we'll pray and you who are coming back to the Lord, recommitting your life to the Lord, you're, you, you're going to be able to tell into this prayer, so pay attention. Mm -hmm. But for you who haven't received Jesus, and you're ready to, wherever you're at, as long as you're not driving, just maybe bow your head, and if you're with your spouse, grab their hand, and, and just say these words to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I, I confess to you I am a sinner. I agree with your word, Romans 3, 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe that you are God. You took on flesh, died on a cross. You were buried, and three days later, you rose from the dead. So I ask you, Jesus, my risen Savior, <laughs> come into my life, forgive me of my sin, and save me right now. And Lord, for any who have prayed that prayer, we pray that you would affirm that, that they would sense your presence right now, that as they seek you, they would find you. As they open up your word, you would help them understand it. Lord, we pray lastly for any who are listening to this and they just, they've been saved in the past, but they haven't been walking with you but tonight, you've got their attention. For you that that would apply to, I would just ask you right now to, to confess that to Jesus. Let, let him know. Just say, this is where I've been. <laughs> These are things I know that have just led me to be distant from you, even to walk away from you. And just share that with him and, and ask him to forgive you of that. As the, the prodigal son came back to his father, father was there, arms wide open. I would encourage you to run towards the embrace of God. 
Embrace his forgiveness. Embrace his grace. Embrace a, a, just a, a new season with the, just a, a deeper desire. Ask him for a deeper desire and, and just a, a commitment like you've never had before to walk with him. Lord, we pray for any that are in that situation right now that they would continue to talk to you throughout this evening. They would continue to surrender their life to you. Open up your word again. Man, just change all of the music on all of their platforms to worship music. <laughs> and that they would just start tuning into Bible studies again if they've not. And they would begin to tell others about you. Because that's your commission for them as well on this day. Thank you for any who have been saved. Thank you for the extended body of Christ that gathers in these midweek studies. Uh, we love them. And we know you do. We thank you for them. We pray this would be a, just a, a time of enrichment and, and a time where you would just strengthen them. And uh, Lord, that you would be our hope until we see these people again, here, there, or in the air. We thank you for them and we love them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.